Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the Film Alchemist podcast. This is not the normal show, but this is important, man. This is the intro. This is our our bonfire dancing naked around this, the fiery circle, howling at the gods of the moons uh, for the greatest month of all time. Hell, October. Hell, yeah. Paymon. Hell, Paymon. Hell, Black Phillip. <laughs> uh, joined, as always, by my friend and co-host. Alex on this Dandino. Dark Alex Dandino. Yeah, guys. So, for those of you who know me, I am, above all else, a lover of the horror. Horror. Um, so, for October, we thought, what an opportunity um, for the movie podcast that we run, but to go all fucking out. So we have a lot of fucking movies coming at you this month. A ton of movies. We hope you enjoy that and it doesn't overwhelm you, but we're going to share this dark love that we have. Oh, yeah. First off, our first curation of the month will exist as always, and then we have an extra fun one on top of that. But we are beginning with Body Horror. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't thought of a pun yet. That's coming, damn it. So, Body Horror, Alex. Yes. As a movie lover, what is it about Body Horror that so strikes a chord amidst the vast ocean of other dark thoughts and fantasy? I think the thing that scares... The thing that I... I mean, I love these kinds of movies. They scare the fucking shit out of me, but that's why I love them so much. Um, The thing that I love the most about them is... Or I guess the thing that makes them scariest to me is this like sense of helplessness you kind of have a lot of the time. When it comes to body horror, the real terror is in this sort of like helplessness you have over the situation. Like people in these movies are constantly trying to fix their problem and they are just they are in they are imper like the problem is impervious to everything they do. If anything, they make it worse. Almost every time when they're like, I fixed it. Wait, I didn't. I doubled their efforts. Oh shit. I'm so much worse off now. Like <laughs> those are the kinds of things that creep me out and make me squirm and that kind of shit. Like uh, that's why I really like the genre, that subgenre of horror because it's the helplessness that actually makes it scary. Other movies I'm kind of like, you know, obviously like torture porn, that kind of stuff where like people are bound and gagged. There's helplessness involved there, but there's a way out usually. Like that is far less terrifying to me than someone who in their exploration of self finds themselves faced with the terror that is their own exploration. Right. Well, I, I think that's an interesting uh, note on this genre, right? Because with torture porn and this and that, there's some kind of external tormentor. Right. So if I could just get out of this chair, if I could just get this ball gag out, if right. I could just pick this lock, I might be able to make a break for it or beat this guy up and get out. What I love about body horror, besides obviously this is a genre that just sings as far as special effects and visual effects and all right, this. Right, right. Some really gross, fun stuff. But at, at the core of all humans, I feel like there is this this very fear of our bodies betraying us. Absolutely. Um, there, You know, it's something me and my wife debate, right? Is it scarier to have your mind completely there and lose your body, right? Like a Stephen Hawking setup. Right. Or to have your body fine and lose your mind. And and there is this constant fear in all humans of something going wrong, right? That we have time left on the clock. 
But the meat that encases whatever the fuck we are is going to begin to fail. Right. And and there's nothing you can do about that. Rot and decay and, and time will always win. So what I, I love most about this movie, and you said it, it's this, it's this internal battle. Um, to me, the scariest thing, like, if, if you're a track star, you can outrun Jason Voorhees, maybe. You know what I mean? Right. If you, uh, you know, don't fuck with the devil, and you might not get possessed. Uh, with body horror, you cannot run away. There's no escaping the the fear and the the antagonizer is within the meat that holds whatever we are. So there's an inescapableness to the the fucking helplessness and the the tragedy of the stories that makes them so compelling to yeah. me. I think the other thing is this 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 subgenre of movies really plays into <laughs> if you're a hypochondriac like I am. This is the kind of <laughs> this is the thing that is actually scary about making about these kinds of movies. You're like, oh my god, that could happen to me. Obviously, that could not happen to you. Like, I might be a brundlefly. <laughs> yeah, like I could be a brundlefly. I could be like turned into a walrus. Like these are the kinds of things. Like, no, these are things that don't happen to you. But at the same time, like you're right. Like the body turning in on itself, and I am getting older. Like I, in the last like year and a half, have dealt with the fact. I'm like, holy shit, like. My body hates me. It's betraying me. Like, I can't drink milk anymore or do any of these things I really enjoyed. <laughs> like, I'm slowly decaying and turning into a pile of mush. That's now, like that's the, the movie thing. I would pay to see is You versus Milk. <laughs> Trust the body me. horror of You versus Milk. <laughs> well, you know what? Just go to Pornhub and Google Shiza porn. You got it. Nailed it. Okay. <laughs> no, man. It's... Uh, what What I love about this genre, too, is that it can, it can walk the line between so many different realms. Right. You can do body horror in any genre. The the fear of I mean this this goes back to you see this in war movies, right? Mm-hmm. Someone loses a limb and they're scratching a phantom limb. Right. That's body horror. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh a guy who has ED in a romantic comedy, right? Mm-hmm. A guy with a fucking stutter in a royal family drama. These are all versions of body horror. Right. Um because that's what it is. Like, whatever we are is encased in this fucking meat puppet. Right. But that meat puppet is what we present to the world. It's a betrayal of self. But Yeah, you- it, that's the thing. It's, it's this sacrilegious degradation of form, which we talk about a lot. I love that in every movie where you can degrade the holy form, which is, you know, as we are, head, neck, shoulders, arms, you know, whatever. The song. The right. knees and toes, knees and toes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's... I, I like that the the small level that body horror happens on, right? Because you can say it's it's this big macro problem, right? That right. Jeff Goldblum is turning into some kind of monster. But what it is is that's happening on a, a very small cellular level. Right. So when you shrink the horror down so much and it's so fucking focused within, you can't make one of those movies without filling it out with the rest of the the kind of psychic experience of, you know, humanity. Right. I mean, it's just, it's a, it's a genre that is so, it, the, the focus on self-infliction, I think, is the thing that makes it so compelling. I, again, The Fly is such a great example of that. So I think the further you go into this horror of yourself changing, the more you, it's strange, like, the more that original character, like the more Seth Brundle goes into becoming the fly, 
the more he becomes a fly and less of Brundle. And for like the opening of that movie, he's all he's like he's talking about the primordial primordial self. The beginning of that is very philosophical, and that's really kind of what the essence of a body horror film is: is like the philosophical debate of like, are you becoming better or are you becoming worse? What are you becoming, and is it going to be an improvement on your current state? Like that's right. It is. Well, is it? Are you going to lose yourself to it? Yeah, is it even human what you're becoming? And this is what I love, too, is there's also this we all experience this every day, whether it's, you know, um, people who have gained excessive amounts of weight. Like there are whole reality shows around people just watching people that are so fucking enormous. They can't move to get their own food and stuff like that. And it's it's kind of this sick fucking voyeur thing we have of watching other people's bodies fail. Right. Mm -hmm. Whether it's faces of death DVDs or you know, ER horror stories. Like we are fascinated with all the ways this fucking body can fail us. And what I like is that there is also this notion of some characters, right? Like immediately jumps to my mind is that what's eating Gilbert great movie. Yep. If you don't think that's a body horror movie, you're fucking nuts. That woman's trapped in her house and has to get lifted out by a crane while her children fucking watch. And it, it might not be the coolest thing to say, oh, well, that's fine. That's her choice now. You can't shame people, whatever. That character was not leading a good life. No, she was. And there were negative consequences for everyone. Not for that specific, but but really anything, right? You get body horror in great movies like Bug. Yeah. Where it's all psychological that then leads to these physical acts of lashing out. And, and that's what I mean. The, the physical part of the body horror is fascinating because... The brain is also meat. So there there's this failing of cognitive function, right. body function, the the kind of grossness of a body failing and rotting in front of us. Yeah. You know, it's it's why zombies are horrific. The the thought of a corpse coming back, right? And being amongst us living as it's rotting and decaying, it's that that image and the smells and this and that are offensive to us as life in every life form. This this is a great Wes Craven uh quote is he was talking about in his younger life, he was in a warehouse, right? And they used to fucking throw rocks and hit rats and shit. Well, one day they asked him to do it and he fucking, I think he hit a rat with a pipe or something. And he didn't kill it. But he watched this fucking maimed rat screaming and writhing in agony. It obviously could not function anymore. Right. But every fucking cell of that creature said, keep moving, keep fighting, keep living. Right. And he talked about the fucking traumatic effects of that incident on him and how it stuck with him, this desperation for life. So you mix that with your body just fucking failing you. Yeah. That's, I think that's as scared as a human can get. I don't think there's anything scarier. Like you literally are a sub, you are, you are subject to the whim of your, like in my, in my case, like again, I have, pretty mild case of hypochondria but like (laughs) you're subject to your own the whims that your brain like oh my god there's like like oh man there's a pain in my back it's one of three things it's kidney stones cancer or just oncoming death like those are the things like (laughs) that's the kind of thing you think about then those are the kinds of conclusions your your brain takes you to so like when i saw these movies when i was younger that was probably the very beginning of like what ends up becoming hypochondria as I'm getting older, but there's a lot of that going on. Like the psyche of self that takes you to that level is the part that's terrifying. 
It's much less right. about what you're seeing oh, visually because sure. what you're seeing visually is just a visual reinforcement of like what's gross mm-hmm. or what's kind of mm-hmm. creepy. The scary thing is realizing, holy shit, that absolutely on another level could happen to me. Like I'm not going to turn into a fly, but right. I totally could. What if one day like all my fucking teeth fall out? Like that's a very common dream that people have that people wake up in yes. absolute terror. There's that kind yes. of shit. Well, not even that, right? Imagine a life where through no faults of your own, or even if it's faults of your own, right? Your body starts doing things that repulse your loved ones away. Right. Like imagine if I went to hug my child and they were they cringed and, and flinched at the fucking visage of me, right? Right. I've just been chugging Mountain Dew for 15 years and I have no teeth and my hair is ratty and I, I look like, you know, the old lady in room 723 or whatever from The Shining. <laughs> And they're fucking physically repulsed by me through something that, you know, right? maybe I don't deserve. And so the me that they loved is still in there trapped in this, this you know, visual <laughs> fucking horse show. Right. That's really fucking crazy, man. So we got some really good fucking movies, I think, highlight this well. Right. So the first one I chose is a movie called From Beyond. Um, this is kind of in the Clive Barker. Well, it is Clive Barker. But you know what I mean? It's very Lovecraftian, right? This right. is a Lovecraft tale, if I'm not mistaken. Um, this is about a scientist who is enamored with the human form and degrading it as it were, right? He's kind of a, a weird sex maniac. Right. But he's also a very high-level scientist. Those exist everywhere. <laughs> and through his experiment, right, he can't fuck enough or do enough damage to a normal human, right? He needs more and more and more. He invents this machine that helps him... Uh, connect with another dimension and through that his pineal gland grows which they explain in the movie that's like where all the you know weird desires and urges come from this and that right and through this dimension right everyone who comes in contact with the pineal gland grows and they start mutating and morphing and coming becoming very sexualized and they're they're drawn into this kind of more base level of violence and sex and uh, it's kind of stripping away the humanities and just leaving us as these kind of sacks of meat that are just fighting for life and trying to fuck all the time. Right. But it's a really fun movie. It has great fucking effects work. Um, gnarly, just kind of crazy imagery. Classic, classic fucking movie. Right. I love From Beyond. I've never seen it, so I am very excited to see it. <laughs> Your pineal is very small. We got to grow that up, dude, if you're going to get into Chubby Mansion. No. Uh, <laughs> all right. So next up, this is a Dandino choice. Yeah. The Fly. The Fly. Oh, my God. Remake of The Fly, although I do yeah. love the original. I've seen I love the original times. one. The original one with Vincent Price in it is wonderful. That whole original series is really great. And it also experiments a lot with those psychological and sort of philosophical quandaries. What the one that David Cronenberg does, and this is probably David Cronenberg. This might be one of David Cronenberg's easily top three movies. But the this one might be the best Cronenberg movie. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> arguably the best Cronenberg movie, unless you're smart and like The Brood more or Scanners. But you know, that's me. Ooh, man, that's a tough one. <laughs> but the thing I love about Cronenberg's version of The Fly is the exploration of self at the very beginning, because the original one is great. But it also is very much in the tradition of creature features of the time. Right. The thing that starts off Cronenberg's movie, like the thing that opens the whole thing up is literally a monologue by Jeff Goldblum about like the spirit of self and the philosophy of his science. 
which is something you would never expect out of a horror movie about a guy who slowly turns into a fly. So the whole opening preamble of the movie is literally him experimenting with his own version of himself. And as he obviously makes his mistake and as he slowly decays or doesn't decay, maybe he becomes something greater. That's another part of the whole thing that's really fascinating is as he becomes more fly than Brundle, he slowly realizes that maybe this is the next step in his evolution. Maybe it's not this horrible accident. Maybe it's a gift. And therein lies sort of the greatness of David Cronenberg is his storytelling ability to make us actually sympathize with a guy who fucked up and did this to himself. But then you're like, wait, maybe he's making the right choice here. Who knows? Right. Like, well, he's he's a seeker. He's looking yeah, for something He's looking more. for truth. That's it's what the his science about. gone awry like from beyond. But what Cronenberg does in his, besides just the fucking visuals and the makeup in this movie are so fucking Oh my good. gosh, so good. What Goldblum does is while this man is decaying, he this is this should have been called the human man. Like that's yeah. what I love about Cronenberg's is he is transforming into a fly through, you know, this Pandora's box of science. Right. But he the whole thing is this fucking um examination an introspection of where is the line between man and nature and beast and science. I mean, it's, there's so much fucking heart underneath of all the great prosthetics. Everything about this movie is psychological. Like that's what makes the movie so great. Every, yes, the prosthetics and the makeup and the special effects are so fucking cool and fun to watch and fun to be a witness to. But, this movie lives in your brain. That's like the whole point of the flick. And that's the whole aspect of the movie that makes it worth watching is this film. There are parts of this movie that I think are absolutely disgusting. There's a scene in this movie in the middle that I, the larva thing is something I still cannot watch to this day. I saw it when I was 12, I saw it when I was 12 years old and I've not been able to watch it since it's, it's a no holds barred descent into just scares the fucking fucking shit out of me. Yeah, no. Maybe no movie degrades the human form as much as this oh, one. Oh no, not it is still actually watchable. Not right? only does it degrade the human form, you can obviously say form, human centipede, but <laughs> not only does it degrade the human human form, but it literally takes the human form all the way to the brink and back again, and literally puts. I mean, it literally takes the humanity, takes the last shred of humanity left in Seth Brundle to say like, "Kill me," like that is. Whoa, spoilers, bitch. <laughs> Oh, please. If you haven't seen that it, that movie's only been out for like 35 years. What the fuck? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but no, that's, okay. what, that's what that the movie's is, about. The Fly is one of my absolute all-time favorites. Like, regardless of genre or whatever, I cannot wait to do this movie. If you guys haven't seen that, you are missing out. Get on it now. Uh, my next pick is a bit of an odd duck, right? This is a foreign film. Yeah, yeah, uh, It's called yeah. Taxidermia. <laughs> Me and my wife saw this in a small one-screen art house, right? The new art out in Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. We were the only people in the whole theater, which doesn't surprise me. This movie is one of the most unsettling film experiences I've ever had, right? And what this movie does, essentially, it's kind of a vignette setup of tracking the lineage of this family, if I remember correctly. And every single family member, right? There's a guy who's a taxidermist, a guy who's morbidly fucking obese, um, all of these different journeys that reflect a different mistrust of body, right? A different problem and version of horror that we would deal with um, just in the course of living our lives, man. And it's it's one of those crazy fucking foreign flicks where 
they they just go further than most American movies while doing kind of you know an artistic version of that, right? Right? Like it's not like hostile, right? Like it it gets out there and fucking gross at times, and it's hard to watch. But there's a lot of heart and soul and fucking introspection in the mix. But um, just some truly haunting imagery. And it's really fucked up. It's just, it's fucked up on that very actual human level, right? There's no science gone awry. There's no sickness, whatever. This is a body horror that is about the horror that we inflict on our own bodies, I guess, is the most concise way I can say it. Right. So, yeah, so I'm super excited for you guys to check that one out. Finally, Dandino hitting us up with our first Kevin Smith joint, dude. A, yeah, a pod it took us favorite. a while, but we found a way. Um, Tusk. Tusk. Uh, this was one you saw the A24 premiere. I did. I did. I was actually sitting like two rows behind Kevin Smith at the fucking LA premiere. Yeah, this one is actually, it's funny. We have an actually kind of a fascinating story to history. I remember when we heard the show where this came up on Smodcast. You text messaged me almost immediately, and he, you were like, we have got to pitch this movie to Kevin Smith. Like, let's write this movie. And I remember us going over and kind of going through it and trying to figure it out. And, of course, obviously within like 20 seconds, you're like, oh, wait, Kevin Smith is going to write this movie for him, for himself. So, yeah. But no, we were in early outline phases of we're going to write this and send it to him, and this is going to be our fucking cracker. Right. And, of course. going to be our fucking bang in. Of course, this is what that's what ends up happening with everything. But <laughs> regardless – um. This movie to me, it's interesting because this is the only one that's really kind of like, it's strange. It's not quite self-inflicted the way like The Fly is. This movie, though, is self-inflicted in that uh, Justin Long's character, Wallace, is sort of this cynical greed of our like modern culture to me. Like He's a podcaster like we are, and he seeks out these odd stories, like I would say. Right? Like that's The way, how you the way I would think of this, right, is that this is Justin Long preying upon people who are suffering from body horror at times, right? Like right. the kid blows his fucking leg off and dies. Right. Justin Long's there to pick the bones, right? He's a vulture. He's a vulture. Uh, he's there to make laughs and make money off of other people's sorrow and misery and the quirks. And I mean, this is everyone's fear, right? Is to have some kind of physical ailment that we can't hide from the world that then makes us some kind of Quasimodo like outcast, right? Right. Justin Long's character is the guy who'd be in your face with an iPhone. Like, look at this fucking asshole. Right. So Justin Long is a vulture on that regard who ends up meeting someone else who is so empty and broken inside that he's willing to mangle and deform and disrespect Justin Long's right. body and form um, to fill some kind of, of, emotional hole and this is what i like about your pick for tusk is this this one on a deeper not to say this like some kind of fucking super deep jaunt and not just can't be fun fair but there is a level of watching this killer um he's not just killing these guys and torturing them no, or you know no, no, whatever no, no. he's doing while he does that there is this level of somewhat yearning yeah right he's I, yearning for this this emotional fulfillment that he's never had and and the emotional emptiness inside of a human is actually just another version of body horror to me yeah i mean i think that's the interesting thing is like michael parks's character in the movie and michael parks does an amazing job is it's in, uh, yearning that's a good word for it like there's nothing <laughs> there's nothing malicious about what i think like when i watch the movie i don't see michael parks as this malicious 
hateful character. What I seem <laughs> that's it, a very generous read, <laughs> and, it, and it's strange to think that because like what he does is so fucking terrible and awful on right. so many levels to so many different people, by the way. But what he does to Justin Long's character is reprehensible. But where it comes from? It's Wait, so we're we're taking an official stance on the pod that we're anti uh, serial killing and walrus human making. Yeah, that I'm not okay with. There's there's some we, sh- we should. Just to be fair, Just, we should talk these things out off air first. Yeah, thank you. Sorry. You know what? I didn't mean to put us in that position. Folks, I don't like being put in a corner. Folks, this, like, is only, this is only Dan Dino. I am anti-walrus person making. That's me. I am on the fence at best. <laughs> Griffey's half and half. It's all right. But that's the thing I really like. Michael Parks plays it so brilliantly in that he's not he's, – he's lonely. Like, he's a lonely man. He's a person who has lost so much, his, so much of himself – that the only way he's going to get back is by doing these horrible, gruesome things. But there's like some sort of strange longing in his pursuit of uh, Mr. Tusk, so to speak. Right. No, I mean, there's a lot of this movie I think is so beautiful and kind of sings, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the true most scary body horror element is Johnny Depp's nose makeup. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's but interesting? No, that's what I mean. There, there's so much I love about the one-on-one uh, segments of this fucking movie. Yeah. And Michael Parks is outstanding. Um, I, I think because of the extreme nature of the movie and kind of the weird elevator pitch of it, that yeah. a lot of people just kind of shit on it and it's didn't really look enough. I think it's a really good movie. I think it might be the first, to, it might be of this list, it might be the only one that really contains true, I would say, psychological body horror. Because the thing that's truly terrifying. The thing that honestly scares me more than anything in this entire movie outside of a guy getting sewn into a human skin walrus suit is that <laughs> he is so psychologically battered and damaged by Michael Barks' character that he cannot Don't come back. spoil it, bitch. Spoilers. Uh, sorry, you're right. But No, but yeah, it's it's a fascinating it's a journey. Uh, full circle journey. But that's what I mean. A movie like that to actually have like some actual arc underneath of it. It's it's just a really nice bonus to what and honestly, anytime you tell me there's a movie about a guy becoming a fucking walrus right. at the hands of a serial killer, like I'm definitely gonna I'm watch definitely that. Definitely watch it. Because isn't that what movies should do more than anything? Is just be like, Well, I haven't seen that before. I'd I like keep, to watch that. And it, it has a lot of actual heart and character underneath it. I keep forgetting that we've seen so many fucking movies and there's people on the show who have not seen some of these movies. It's bizarre. So Yeah. Fascinating. Apologies soon. If, apologies soon if things you guys are spoiled. Will have seen all. Yeah, you guys will see them all soon. So again, the list. The Fly, Cronenberg. Not the original. The Fly, Cronenberg. From Beyond, Taxidermia, Tusk. This is going to be a really fun body horror segment. I'm interested to see what you guys pick for your fan pick um, body horror segment. Now, as this is October, this is the month of All Hallows' Eve, right? This is when the evil spirits dance around the chubby mansion the most. <laughs> That's a long box session reference for our, our crossover fans. No, I fucking love horror movies, so I could not let it slide, dude. We have enough uh, space every month to add more shows, so that's what we're doing. The sub-theme for this month, movies that scared you as a kid. So we're going to look at movies, um, horror and sometimes not, sometimes borderline. What are the images? What are the moments, the the situations that even as a young child 
really fucking cut you all the way to the soul and may or may not have impacted you in your entire life. So, for example, two of them that I'm going to be doing, movies that scared me as a young kid, uh, Warlock. Yep. This is essentially, I heard it described, I think it was listed as the Terminator with witches. <laughs> Fine, that's an apt description. I still, to this day, don't like anyone who wears a ponytail. <laughs> and magic users. <laughs> so, yes, this still haunts me to this day. I don't know what it is about Warlock. I'm fascinated to dive back in. But I... Must have seen this two or three times. My dad really liked Warlock and really did not care enough to not watch it around me. Right. It made me fucking weep. Pure agony. Nightmares all the time about the Warlock. And I don't know why. I can't pin it down. I know the ponytail was unsettling. (laughs) Still don't like that. Um, Secondly, Wes Craven's The Serpent and the Rainbow. This one also kind of fits in a little body horror. This is, you know, a... Yeah, someone awakens from the grave. They think they can capitalize, send uh, Bill Pullman down, right? So he's like, it gets into a little voodoo, but the thing about this movie, it has a buried alive scene. I am so fucking Ugh. claustrophobic. So claustrophobic. Right. Um, the Descent, this movie, movies like that, if you show me that even, I feel it in real life and I feel like I can't escape. So we're gonna we're going to dig into those two. Um, through the lens of why as a small child specifically did this so fucking scare me. Uh, we have some other great ones. We have Fright Night on the list. The Omen. Uh, we have a double feature um, from a buddy of mine. If we Hopefully we'll have time to record that. Uh, this is a fun one, dude. Silver Bullet. Have you ever seen that? The werewolf movie? Stephen yeah, King yeah, yeah. About the kid in the wheelchair who's fighting werewolves. Awesome. Corey Haim. Not just the kid. Corey Haim. Uh, and John Carpenter's Vampires. <laughs> James Wood, before he was just the old, cranky, always wrong guy on Twitter. Oh, my God. <laughs> not only not only is it James Wood, it's also, I think, one of the Baldwins. I think it's the... There's always a Baldwin somewhere. There's, there's a Baldwin <laughs> in that movie, and like James Woods has to like kill him. It's Oh, I love that. It's a really fucking fun vampire fight. It's a real movie. crap. I, I really me. like that movie. And then Dandino's own childhood fear will manifest yeah. in... The Omen. The Omen. The Omen. The Omen's probably Dick Donner. The Omen's probably one of those movies that I saw way too young. Most of my fear comes from movies I saw incredibly young and probably should not have seen. Like that was, by the way, that was my entire childhood. Yeah, so I'm right there with you. The Omen <laughs> affected. I mean, again, like I think also if you kind of grow up in the Midwest, you find whatever church you end up going to puts sort of this weird fear to fear of God on you. So. Like when I saw the original, the original Omen too. Like it's the one from the seventies with um, Lee Remick and Gregory Peck. Yeah, that G-Pack. movie. That movie scared the fucking shit out of me, mainly because of the woman who plays the nanny, Mrs. Baylock, who might right. be probably the scariest person in real life to exist. <laughs> well, there's also a weird sense of that movie where, wait. Is that kid actually wrong or are all these adults trying to murder that kid? <laughs> Very scary one for a young person. Yeah. Uh, dude, I fucking love I'm not sure Omen. if I That's an awesome I was trying movie. to think of another one that I have that like actually scares me. There's a bunch of like little things though that scare me when I was a kid. Like there's a you know, there's an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark where the kid uh loves playing pinball and gets thrown in a real life pinball game and then wins and he's stuck in the pinball game forever. That scared the fucking shit out of me. Oh, dude, there's so many 
Mine is I snuck up late one night to watch X-Files before I was allowed to. Oh, yeah. It's the episode it. where the guy came from Africa on the plane and he he was an albino African like tribesman. Yep. So he was sucking the melatonin out of other black people and they just find this like white whitened corpse. And there's a scene when Mulder's trying to track him down. And he can't find him. He opens a desk drawer and this guy's like all contorted. Yep. And stuck in the fucking drawer. To this day, I still see that image in fucking nightmares. Uh, but that's what I think is fascinating, right? Like, why that over... I mean, I just mentioned the Serpent, the Rainbow, Warlock, all that. I didn't see my dad again for a long time after seven or eight years old. <laughs> why the fuck did I see all those movies more than once? I don't know. Why did I see Pumpkinhead at that age? It's oh, very God. strange. But, um, you know, what is it that is so fucking primordial that even children... Who don't know, like, as a child, I don't think you know to be afraid of claustrophobia, right? Was that built into me or did this movie build that in? I think, right? You don't always know stranger danger. As a kid, everything's kind of like, look at this fun playground of a world we have. And then as you get older, you accumulate the fucking cuts and micro uh, traumas that will, you know, create who you are and what fears you um, possess. Absolutely. So I, I like the idea of the bigger image from movies that just hit you so young and so hard. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really kind of where, I mean, that's really where a lot of, I mean, God, I mean, even movies that aren't really supposed to be scary. Like, I think, I think when you watch it now, like, you're kind of like, oh, that's cute. But imagine, like, as a, what, a five-year-old watching, like, fucking Willy Wonka on the Chocolate Factory. That movie is oh, yeah. legitimately terrifying. Like, if you fuck up. Well, on his boat ride, they saw they show a chicken getting its head cut off. They show off a chicken shit, getting its head cut off. <laughs> they show, like, a guy with a millipede crawling across his face, which when I was a kid, I was like, oh, that is fucked up. Like, right. Like, something terrible is about to happen, and sure enough, all these kids got murdered. But, you know. Well, you hit, you hit about it off air, right? Pinocchio. The donkey scene is one of the most traumatic scenes I ever saw that as a movie might as a kid. Be the thi- and that's that buried might- in a fucking Disney joint. Yeah, that might be the scariest thing I saw as a kid. Like, a kid who's just having a good time and all of a sudden all his... This is the thing that scared me. All his Well, friends, his good time is also drinking, gambling, right, and smoking. They're doing terrible things. That was a shot at a dad. Now they're... <laughs> when you're a kid. Now they're awesome. But, you know, when you're a kid, yeah. there's bad things to do. Like... When that one donkey can still talk and he's like, I want to see my oh, mama. Oh, my God. That's so. Well, he like screams it. Yeah. No, that's a shot across the bow at all the dads who were hung over in the theater. And they're like, stop being a piece of shit. <laughs> Walt was waving his anti-Semitic finger like, stop being a piece of shit. <laughs> that true. Like this guy herds all these children there, lets them do whatever they want. And then he's like, by the way, I'm selling your asses like that. Is terrifying. Oh, that happens shit. a couple times. That is there's scary a, there's ass a swindler shit. who sells Pinocchio early. Yeah, there's some. Yeah. Also, but that's the thing, right? Like early on in our history, a lot of stories were simply to scare children so bad that yeah. they would do, they would know right from wrong and ha- behave better. Hansel and Gretel, of course. Yeah, like old brothers Grimm's fairy tales are fucked up, dude. Greek mythology is fucked up, but that used to be our. Hey, you know, I got to go fucking plow this field. I am the human oxen. Right. Um, don't murder your sister while I'm doing that. Here's a fucking fairy tale that'll scare the dick off you. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, man, I love I love getting into, like, what were the first and earliest things you saw that scared the shit out of you? Absolutely. I think that's what this so, month is going to be all about. Yeah. The list is still growing and evolving. Um, we would love to hear from you guys. Suggestions, ideas. 
Uh, what body horror joint did we miss that you really want to see? Was there a movie that fucking terrified you as a kid that we would cover? There is someone. I don't out know there. how much we'll have to get to. We have so many fucking movies on the list. There is someone out there screaming at us for not putting Cabin Fever on that list. Yeah, the leg shaving's an all timer, yeah. but <laughs> it might be. You still have a chance to force that into reality. But yeah, so this is the thing, guys. We are celebrating the greatest month. You can have your fucking turkey and Christmas tree and shove them. <laughs> we are Halloween folk on this show. Or at least I am, so I'm taking the reins this month. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, this is the best time of year, man. Horror movies everywhere. We're going to celebrate as many as we can. Uh, so yeah, guys, that's some of the stuff coming ahead. There will hopefully be a lot more. So start watching them now. Get out ahead of the curve. Um, and as always, guys, share with your friends. Watch some of these movies with your friends and watch their fucking hor- horrified reactions. Yeah. Uh, share the pod. Rate, review, subscribe. Share it on all your social media, guys. We're still a young show, man. This means the world to us. You guys are how we'll help reach more alchemists out there. Keep growing the show and keep finding better and more interesting movies to cover. I'm excited, even though I'll be scared shitless the entire month. <laughs> That is the only way to live. <laughs> There's a theory that humans don't know any emotion outside of fear. I would I would subscribe to that theory. I don't even know if I just made that up or not. Man. I feel like I read that somewhere. It sounds fucking smart. It sounds so smart to me, so go for it. <laughs> Watch some horror movies, bitches. We'll see you next time. Woo!